Howdy. This is the Views from the Shop podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Wednesday, March 22nd, I wish you the happiest of national talk like William Shakespeare days. Yes, that is real and probably one of the more obscure holidays I've found so far. Today on the show, as you can probably see by the title, we've got a heavy hitter today. It's Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch. I won't make him say it, so I'll say it myself. Probably the best follower for Ohio State men's basketball that you can find. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Jardy, very simply. And of course, working for the Columbus Dispatch as well. Feel free to follow them too. Adam, thank you for being here today. How's your bracket look? at this point after one week of of the ncaa tournament uh shockingly good um th- thanks for having me uh looking forward to to the conversation um i historically am terrible at brackets um my in my family which includes now my eight-year-old my five-year-old and my wife uh last year i finished dead last in the four of us and um not even really all that close this year has been a different story. I'm uh, I do a beat the beat writer bracket challenge where I tell people you're smarter than me and you know it. So let's you know come prove it here. And uh, I've got Creighton, Kansas State, UConn, and Houston in my final four, and I'm currently fifth in my bracket, which is um, on par with what I got to see Fairleigh Dickinson do this past weekend. Because I'm I'm the worst at this for someone who spends his entire year studying college basketball i'm horrible at brackets so thank you for allowing me to crow about that for a minute how's your bracket um i tell you what my my bracket is okay because i didn't pick purdue to the final four that that region uh very very tough to figure out but it wasn't too hard for me to figure out purdue would not make it out i'm not going to be that guy and act like i knew purdue was going to lose to a 16 seed but I, for one, had Purdue losing to FAU in the second round, and it kind of happened, I guess. But <laughs> overall, uh, three of my four teams are still in it. Marquette lost, and, and that was my final four team. I think that region, eight teams could probably realistically have a shot to make it out. So there's that. But I've got Houston, I've got Texas, and I've got Gonzaga uh, as my other three in the final four. So we're still alive at this point. Can't complain. I suppose at this point, and we're looking forward to another another fun weekend of of hoops coming up here for the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. And unfortunately, of course, Ohio State not there. We're talking offseason for Ohio State men's basketball. And before we get into that, I think it would be very, very interesting, Adam, to hear your take on Team 124, the 2022-23 Ohio State men's basketball team completely underachieved. I don't think that's a question. It's obviously this team is held to a much higher standard and they went out there and were far below 500 had a nice close to the year, but missed out not only on the NCAA tournament, but the NIT as well. So Adam, you're around the team more than just about anyone who isn't actually affiliated officially with Ohio State University. So what's your take on the previous season what what do you think went wrong and what's your like overall impression of the team at this point yeah so a lot a lot of thoughts there i mean off the top like you said it, it's a disappointing season like this was this was always 
going to be a rebuilding difficult type of season for Ohio State. Like that was made pretty clear once they signed Chris Holtman to the contract extension and also committed to building through youth. And that's how it used to be done, but that's just not really in a lot of ways what college basketball has has started to to morph into. And so um you knew that this was a team that was going to rely heavily on, you know, four freshmen and likely three transfers on top of a couple of guys coming back who hadn't really played significant roles before. And you were wondering, you, you know, we think back to the preseason and we're wondering like, what does justice suing look like? We hadn't seen him in, in two years. And what does, you know, what could Zed key do as a featured player in the offense for the first time? And it, you know, there was nobody coming back in an established role. And on top of that, you had all these new faces. And so there was a lot of reason to expect it was going to be a difficult year but the talent, as we saw at the end of the season, was still good enough to finish better than what this team did. And I think the fact that um, you know you end up not even being well, I mean, I shouldn't say not eligible, but you're not you're not in NIT consideration. You you fall fall short of the NCAA tournament. That's those are all disappointments uh, without a doubt. Um, as far as like how they got to this point, I just think it was where you saw all those youthful things and all those um all those new experiences really weigh heavily on this team like it is crazy to think that this team ended where it did but still ended where it did in like all the the metrics and all the the rankings and things i mean they were i think this i think the buckeyes like 49th at ken palm which is just like bonkers when you think about a team that finished uh where it did from a record standpoint i'm Okay, they they dropped one spot. They're fiftieth now, but you're talking about a team that goes sixteen and nineteen, and you know you go back and you say, boy, if you win, I don't know, beat Minnesota at home, uh, beat Penn State at home, and I don't know, beat Wisconsin at home. Those were all three off top of my head, very winnable, close games that you dropped at home. Well, instead of Ohio State being sixteen and nineteen, it's nineteen and sixteen. It's probably in the tournament. Yeah, And, you know, it just kind of emphasizes just how tough overall of year this was and how some of those losses, I think, just fed into more losses. And it just became a lot to try to dig their way out from. Yeah, I, I think the expectation for this team was too high. And I think that's just the nature of being spoiled, rooting for an Ohio State basketball team that is in the NCAA tournament, at least for me in my lifetime, every single year, except for, I believe two, maybe three. Well, I, this would be the third year that they didn't make it in, at least in my lifetime. So as a fan base, we've been spoiled and we just come to expect Ohio state to be really good. My take on the team this year was that they would be an NIT team and a fringe bubble team. And they performed well below that, obviously for a large chunk of the year one, I, I think when you look back at this team, the biggest thing you think about is that tumultuous stretch from January through pretty much the end of February, where they lost, I think, like 15 of 16 games. They lost five, six, seven, eight, nine games in a row, and they could not find any avenue to success. So with you being close to the team, I know leadership was a big topic of conversation not only from Holtman, but from the players as well. What would you say was maybe the cause or 
partly some symptoms of that long stretch of Big Ten play where Ohio State just could not figure it out. Yeah, I think that's where, again, you you saw youth and you saw, um, you know, in, in some of these, like you're talking about, okay, you go, you have a road trip where you go to Illinois and you go to Indiana in late January. And like those teams were playing really well at that point. Like those are tough wins in general. Like that's, it's going to be hard to go win at assembly hall on a Saturday night with a, with a young team. Like some of these, you know, you, you expect that you're going to take some lumps somewhere along the way, but it's, it was like once they, they came back, they hosted Wisconsin, they lost that game. They went to Michigan, they lost. They came home. You're playing a Northwestern team that you beat the brakes off of on January 1st at, at Welsh Ryan Arena. You lose that game, and it just started to get away. And um, I, I think certainly we can talk about like leadership and you know what they needed from that locker room, what they maybe didn't get from that locker room. But I also think something that, that has really – continue to fly under the radar was the impact of Zed Key's shoulder injury. Um, and I think there's an, there's another conversation to be had about should they have shut him down sooner because he was playing through that thing and, and all credit to him for trying to gut it out and do what he could uh, to try to impact this team. But he was not the same player with that brace and you could see the pain he was playing through. Um, obviously he ended up having a, a shoulder surgery. It's going to keep him out for six months. Um, but I feel like, you that all like stressed the offense and it stressed how this team wanted to play and that impacted it as well. And, you know, like if you're, if you're Zed key, like you're trying to go out and be a team captain and a leader, but like you can, you can't raise your arms above your shoulder. Like that's hard to do no matter how great of a motivational speaker you may or may not be like, that's tough. And, you know, justice suing, I think did what he could and he showed up like he was an everyday dude for this team um, by all accounts, it just he was struggling through a difficult statistical season, like as this continued to pile up. And like that makes it really hard to to really be an effective leader. And, you know, Isaac likely was voted a team captain, but like his role this season was not really that of a featured player or, you know, he didn't have the impact that I thought he would have. So like you look at the guys that were voted captains and they all had they all had difficult years for varying reasons. And then you had you add a Bruce Thornton as a captain mid midway through the season. And like I asked Chris Holtman at Big Ten Media Day when he was you know talking a lot about Bruce's leadership and all these things that that he was going to do, I said, would you put being a captain on him as a freshman? And he said, no, like that's too much to, to put on a freshman's shoulders, which was really then interesting to me when he got moved to that role midseason, because I think that said as much about Bruce's development as much as what this team was was missing. And to their credit, you know, we, we can talk about the leadership maybe not being what it needed to be or maybe not up to a to a standard as this team lost 14 of 15 games. But I don't think this team ends the season the way that it did if it wasn't getting good leadership stuff along the way. Like they didn't just suddenly become better leaders in the last two weeks of, of basketball this year. Like I can't remember if, if it was Izzo or Painter that said this in the Big Ten tournament, but they said, you know, obviously Ohio State played well in Chicago. Uh, you you see that teams get hot in tournament play, um, but the fact that this team, after losing nine straight and playing Illinois, Maryland at home tournament teams, and then going to Michigan State, like Ohio State played well in those games in that stretch, and honestly could have beaten Penn State uh, in the game before that. But to to <laughs> give a, a 
I, I took a long, uh, short answer, made it quite long, but to, to, to end the season the way they did and to, to win consecutive games for the first time since the, you know, the previous calendar year, when the season was lost already, like they were playing for nothing at that point, really their seed was cemented, their outcome was cemented, but they, they played well, they responded, they, they closed the season in a strong way. And I think that says something about this leadership too, that they didn't just, you know, they lost nine straight. They could have gone to the big 10 tournament having lost 12 straight, but they didn't. And I think that says something. Yeah. And I, when you go back to that leadership point and, and kind of how they're able to close out the year in a really, really strong manner, Bruce Thornton being named team captain in the middle of the season, you'll see that. I guess at times it's very rare where you'll see a, a player be named team captain in the middle of the season. Do you think that that was more so a a testament to Bruce Thornton or more so like an indictment on Justice Suing, Zed Key Isaac likely on players just not stepping up and leading and, and Chris Holtman trying to infuse something new into a team that just couldn't put it together? I mean, it's probably 51-49, uh, whichever one you would want to side on. I mean, Thornton was was taking on leadership things at that point already. He was a guy that players have respected. He's a guy that his voice mattered in that locker room. And this is also when he was he was really going through it at this point. Like he was not scoring much at all. The offense was struggling at a high level. A lot of it seemed to be on his shoulders. Like it was it was a tough time for him. And so I think, you know, it's not like he was just crushing it and they said, All right, you're so good. We we need you to be the captain. Like he was playing he was struggling through things, but they still elevated him at that point. And I think that's so I think that says that it, it was needed that they needed maybe another voice in that those captains meetings and in, in that leadership role. But it also just speaks to the belief that they have in, in Bruce and what he is and what his future looks like for the program. So probably a little bit of both. Yeah. And I've compared Bruce Thornton to my growing up days of watching Ohio state basketball, where you had the era with Mike Conley, Jr. Greg Oden and Daquan cook in that team. And you move forward to, the William Buford and, and John Diebler. Then you go to Aaron Kraft and all those players and Evan Turner getting to play together where I think you had at least my generation really fall in love with Ohio state basketball. And mm -hmm. I really see Bruce Thornton being that, that guy for this new generation of Buckeye fans where he seems like a player who will probably be at Ohio state for maybe four years. Maybe he plays really, really well and he finds himself, going to the NBA draft in the next couple of years, but you would assume that he'll be here for a while. So that's kind of how I see Bruce Thornton is a guy who's going to kind of become a part of the core of Ohio state basketball for the next couple of years. And he's going to really catch the, the hearts and the minds of Ohio state basketball fans everywhere. And that was a surprise for me this season. I thought that he would come in and he'd play some good minutes and he'd have a good overall freshman year. And you'd say, man, I'm excited to see what Bruce Thornton can do as a sophomore. And you kind of expect the production he had at the end of the year going into his sophomore year rather than at the end of his freshman year. That was one major surprise for me was Bruce Thornton and how, how much he grew, not only as a leader, of course, but just his overall production, being able to shoot the ball from deep, being able to, to slice and dice and find his way into the paint, make some shots there as well and distribute the ball pretty well. That was 
we knew what we were getting with with Bryce Sensible, I think. Thornton was a little bit more of a, we'll wait and see what happens. Was there anything from you, Adam, where you look at this team this year, good or bad or otherwise, as a as a surprise that really sticks out to you from the season? Um, I would say, like, my, my surprises are more that, like, you know, Tanner Holden never really found a, a fit or a role. Like, that was a surprise. I thought he would be a guy. On, in the rotation by the end of you know but they're by the end of the year he was he was not i mean that was a bit of a surprise um you know i was i was um you know roddy gale really obviously came on the big 10 tournament we saw some flashes of it late um but i thought i thought he might do a little bit more early but either way i still think you're pretty excited about what what it looks like for him um you know i was surprised this team wasn't better uh, defensively for significant stretches of the season, because I felt like they have some more guys who are capable of being two-way players. It's been a big talking point from, from Holtman the last couple of years. And I think, you know, you do start to look at some of these guys now and you look at who's coming in in this upcoming freshman class. And I think you can project more guys who can be impactful uh, at both ends, but this team just didn't quite, have the defensive bite that I thought it might, because I thought there'd be enough versatility to make things more difficult. And there just really wasn't. Um, so that was a surprise to me. The The offense struggling at such a high level for so long was also that, that was, that was surprising. And I know there are people that feel very strongly about this version of Ohio state's offense. And maybe it's, it's simplicity at times, or it's over-reliance on a couple of guys to create some things, but you know, this, this team's offense has not his historically been the thing that's held it back under Holtman. It's been the defense. And this year for a while, you had, you had the struggles at both ends and that, that ends you in a streak of 14 losses in 15 games. But, um, you know, I just, I didn't, I did not think that, that the offense would be as much of a struggle as it was um, because, Normally the defense is, is, is the problem. So it kind of became a, you know, a two-way deal for this team, I guess. Yeah. I think Ohio state struggled to put it together offensively and defensively at the same time for longer stretches of games. They did in the big 10 tournament, but you think back to Wisconsin and Penn state, those home games to close out the year, Ohio state went through a stretch closing out Penn state war where Penn state could not score. I think they had one field goal from like the the eight minute mark to the two minute mark, if I remember correctly, something crazy like that, where Penn State could not get the cover off the rim. Yet on the other end, Ohio State could not score. And you've got Isaac Likely banking in a three in shots like that, where you'll take it. But overall, they couldn't put it together offensively. And you had the exact same situation with Wisconsin, where the Buckeyes were down by nearly 20 points at one point, I believe. And then you you look up and Ohio State's in it the defense is playing well, but the offense couldn't put it together. So that was definitely not what Chris Holtman's known for is having a bad offensive team, but there are some players, like you said, Bruce Lorton, Roddy Gale, two guys who really came on down the stretch for Ohio state, who you will expect big minutes out of next season and probably some pretty big production as well. And as we kind of look ahead to next season, before we get there, we have to get to the summer and the spring and Adam, you've put together a, a fantastic article on the dispatch detailing every single player Ohio State has been linked to as far as the transfer portal goes. 
I've spoken about it previously. If you haven't seen that article already, look at it. It's very, very good in terms of who Ohio State has been linked it linked with. As far as players on that list, Adam, is there anyone who you think Ohio State is warmer on than others on that list? Or at right right now, is it just teams and players trying to feel each other out and express mutual interest? Yeah, it's the transfer portal in college basketball is just so it's such a bizarre like timeline because you I mean, you're looking at guys right now and you're kicking the tires on guys right now, but also like teams were playing in the NCAA tournament this past weekend that really didn't have the opportunity to do that. So they're kind of trying to catch up and figure out, you know, how do you divide your time uh, in that regard? And then, I mean, just because you have guys in the portal right now, like, you know, you could have a player from Kansas state, you know, in two weeks decide, all right, I'm, I was a role player and I'm ready for something else. And like, then suddenly he's like the new top player in the portal. Like the, the timeline of this is very strange. And I say all that to say that it's hard to know, like right now, like who you should be going for. Like you, you kick a lot of tires and I don't envy like the batteries on these coaches, cell phones this time of year, because like you are just reaching out to all seemingly everybody that you possibly can just to, put a feeler out and and establish a line of communication and then kind of evaluate. But it does look like for Ohio state, it looks like they're trying to bring in somebody experienced in the backcourt and it looks like they're trying to bring in someone that can give them significant minutes, like at the four, like an experienced dude who can come in and get you buckets. Um, you know, they've not traditionally brought in impact players via the portal. That's just not how this coaching staff has has done it. So, you know, the, when you're calling this kid, that kid, you know, from this conference, this conference, this low major, this mid major, like, I don't know that, I don't know how strong a whole lot of it is other than, I mean, it it sounds like they're going to be meeting with uh, uh, the kid from Towson, Nick Timber, Nick Timberlake. Like, I think he's a big deal um, potentially for the staff. Um, That's a guy that seems like he would fit. Um, you know, Jameson battle from Minnesota isn't, is a fascinating name to me because he's a guy that we, you know, he can play at this level and you've seen it for the last two years. He's talented. He's a capable big 10 guy who he's a, he's a double digit scorer in the big 10. And, you know, I, I, I was impressed overall with like what Sean McNeil brought them this season, because on a team that would struggled offensively for as much as they did, like, Sean McNeil came in as roughly a double-digit scorer in the Big 12, and he was a consistent, steady scorer for Ohio State. Not a guy that was going to go out and get you, you know, 25 every night, but he would score 7, 9, 11, 12. He was in that range more often than not, and they needed that this season. So I think, um, you know, a guy like Battle, who that's kind of who he's been through his career, like, I'm intrigued by that name. I think that would make some sense. Yeah, Jamison Battle, probably the most popular name for Buckeye Nation right now who they'd like to see Ohio State target simply because Ohio State typically, it seems like they're going after those smaller school transfers, although they kind of bucked the trend last year with getting Isaac Likely from Oklahoma State and Sean McNeil from West Virginia, like you just mentioned. But Jamison Battle would be staying in the same conference coming to Ohio State if he went to Ohio State. Adam Jardy, obviously you reported that um, Ohio State had been in touch with Minnesota and expressed some interest. I'm not sure if they've officially met yet or what's going on there, but as far as 
needs goes. We've talked about it on this podcast before, so I won't beat the dead horse, but I think the biggest thing Ohio State needs going into next season is, like you said, Adam, someone who can play the four, someone who can stretch the floor at the four would be an A-plus ad for Ohio State, but someone who can play the four because Zed Key probably not really a realistic option. Adam, have you spoken with Coach Holtman about that, if, if Zed Key is really going to be a realistic option at the four for Ohio State next year? And and if so, do you believe that yourself, that that could be the case? They they continue to insist that that is something that they believe can happen, that that is something that they will that Zed and and Felix will be able to be on the court together and give Ohio State a physical, you know, front court option. I don't see that. I have a I don't see that for a couple of reasons. One, um Zed's shoulder injury is going to rob him of most of an offseason. So if you really want to be able to put in the time to expand your game enough to where you can play on the perimeter that much that's that's a hard ask for someone who's not going to be full go until what february august like that's a lot you're you're missing months of of time to to work on those skills and i just think um you know at the end of the day it's just such a it would be such a defensive issue for ohio state um both guys would have to make significant improvements in their games in order to to make that a, a feasible option so i have a really really hard time seeing that they insist that that is the deal and that that's something they're going to try to do, but I don't know. That's, that's a big ask for me. I will say, I thought that Zed, when the way he started this season, I don't think he gets the credit that he probably should because he was impactful. And boy, when I reported in the summer and the fall that they wanted him to shoot threes, I mean, you would have thought, I don't know. The responses from people were apoplectic that this is ridiculous, but like, I've heard uh, Holman told me during Zed's freshman year that eventually he would be a three-point shooter. Uh, his he's got the mechanics, he's got the form. You know, they didn't need him to do it, but he would grow into that. I've heard that from other high major coaches that were recruiting him at the time. That like, yeah, he's he can be that kind of player. This has always sort of been in the works for him that he would expand his game. And to his credit, like the, no one was saying he was going to be John Diebler out there, but you could expect maybe like sophomore year Caleb Wesson type make a three a game stretch a defense a little bit I thought that was realistic and he was generally in that range until the shoulder injury and then you know that kind of threw it out the window but um yeah I I have a hard time seeing especially with the shoulder injury that Zed's going to be able to grow his game enough to make that a realistic possibility for for significant stretches yeah it's going to be tough so expecting key to play the four I I don't really believe in it either i think that the shot is one thing but conditioning is another for zed key that chris holman sure. and zed key have both spoken about is that yeah. he needs to get into better shape um or maybe not better shape obviously but just be able to battle it out on the floor for longer periods of time because people don't realize not only do you have i mean at, at the division one level you're the high division one level you're tracking how many steps players are taking every game those centers, not only do they have to take more steps every game, which can take a toll as the season goes on, but they're battling down in the paint and, and that'll take a lot out of you as well. So conditioning is really a major key. And if Zed key isn't able to stretch the floor and he's not as conditioned as maybe he needs to be in order to stretch out the floor and play the floor, play the four, I think it's going to be tough. So it, it's going to be a need for Ohio state is finding someone who can play the four 
Devin Royal, obviously just named Ohio's Mr. Basketball, made it to the state championship in Division One at the OHS, OHSAA level just a couple days ago. So he's a guy Buckeye fans are excited about, but they're still going to be a little bit undersized, I think, at the four, and they're still going to need depth there. Whether Devin Royal starts there or not, they're going to need someone who can step up and play either starter level minutes or high quality role player minutes at the four for Ohio state. So I think that's going to be a big topic of discussion as well. We've, we've also mentioned in, in past episodes, transfer targets and players who would transfer away. I think right now, Tanner Holden is definitely going to be on the way out. Bryce Sensabaugh sounds like he would not return. We haven't had any confirmation on that in general. And there's going to be some, some openings as well with Owen Spencer, most likely not being on scholarship next year. If there is room for someone else to be on scholarship. So in your in your opinion, Adam, the other thing that I think we should be talking about is players who who are on the roster right now who can develop next season. I think Roddy Gale is is a prime candidate for that. We've already spoken about Zed Key playing the four. As far as freshmen coming in, Ohio State's got a great class of of four players right now coming in to Ohio State next season. Are there any freshmen you're most excited about or players that you think are going to take a step in their freshman year for the Buckeyes? For sure. Uh, but I have to pause real quickly because my dog decided that he absolutely 100% needs to go outside this moment. So I will be back in like 10 seconds. I need to go let him out back. I apologize. I do apologize for that. He was in his cage, totally fine, just listening along and then just decided, nope, got to go outside. As, as far as the, the freshman next year, I mean, I think all four of them will be will be serviceable to at least some extent. I mean, like Austin Parks is 6'10", 6'11", depending on, on who you listen to. He's not 6'9", or 6'8", like people keep yelling at me about. Um, if you can prove that, get a measuring stick and come back to me. But otherwise, like, he's a Big Ten body and, like, Tom Izzo and Mike Woodson recruited the heck out of him. So obviously I think he's going to be a big 10 player and a really good one eventually at Ohio state. He's going to be raw, um, but he's big. And I think he can give you some minutes that like, they just don't, they don't have a body like that on the roster. So I think that helps. Uh, but I'm, I'm really interested, honestly, the other, the other three, I think all kind of plug in to roles that are important. I mean, you mentioned Devin. Um, one of the things that one of the, um, assistants on staff mentioned to me as they were recruiting him was that like, he's a guy that has scored at every level and every competition he's been a part of. So it's like, he really rose in recruiting rankings like last spring, but you look at like every time he got invited to a top 100 camp or this, this event or whatever, like he didn't just go there and, and just be a dude or like a, a role player or whatever. Like he got buckets and he has done that consistently at every level there's going to be an adjustment at Ohio state. Sure. But I think he's going to score for this team next year. And I think um, you, then you look at the other two guys, like Tayson Chapman is a true like lead guard type of guy. Like they feel comfortable with him having the ball in his hands and initiating the offense and running the offense. And that's a big part of the reason why like George Washington isn't, uh, isn't coming to Ohio state. Like he wants to, he kind of wants that role. Ohio state doesn't see that as a role for him and, you end up with a, with a decommitment. So, um, you know, Chapman, I think, is going to play important minutes in that backcourt. But really, like, Scotty Middleton is a borderline five-star kid, and he's just – he's athletic, he's long, he's quick, 
He can play both ends. Like when we talk about two-way players and what they're really trying to get on this roster, he is every bit of that. And I think he's he's going to be impactful. Like Roddy was impactful defensively this season, but I think like, I don't want to necessarily say double that, but like he's going to be a dude who's going to play important minutes um, because of his size and his ability. Um, so honestly, I'm, I am really interested to see what those guys look like in person. You can watch highlight films and you can watch their, their high school games and you can try to, you know, extrapolate that. But um, all those guys look intriguing to me to where you start picturing them with the guys that should be back. And it's, it is an intriguing mix. It's going to be young, not quite as young as this past year and not quite as inexperienced, but like there's, there's some excitement about what those guys look like with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think they're fits for the team, right? Like Taysen Chapman, you, you have a need for Ohio state to have a combo guard who can score for the Buckeyes next season. I think the other need we haven't spoken about yet is a backup point guard for Bruce Thornton. I don't know if Chapman is seen as a guy who can be there or not, but outside of that, you got Scotty Middleton, who you, you mentioned defensively. I think you have to be more excited about his defense, which maybe isn't as glamorous, but he can sit down and he can defend. He's He's got length. He's six six. He's quick, like you mentioned. So Middleton will be a fun guy to watch as well. Devin Royal is going to play a lot of minutes. I think next year there's going to be a spot for him, for sure, whether he's playing the four mostly or maybe even sliding back into the three. He's a guy who's developed a shot as well, and he's got good size on him. And then Austin Parks, we saw the clear, clear glaring hole this year in the front court. He's going to be a much-needed body. Adam, Bronny James, Buckeye fans still <laughs> talk about it. Is Bronny James going to come to Ohio State as much as these Buckeyes fans plea for him to? I guess my my question to those fans are why would you want to add another freshman guard to this mix? Like he's he's roughly rated around where Bruce Thornton was rated, Roddy Gale was rated, uh Tayson Chapman is rated, you know, to, uh, Scotty Middleton's not really going to be a guard I don't I wouldn't say, but like like what why does it make sense to add another guy to that mix regardless of what his name is like you're already talking about a team that say Bryce Sensabaugh comes back you're talking about a team that has and if if I don't know about Bowen Hardman um but like you could be looking at between last year's freshman and this year's freshman there's nine players on next year's roster who are freshmen or sophomores in what universe do you want to add more youth and inexperience to that like and you're not going to suddenly just say like, hey, like Taysen Chapman, like you're out of here. Like that's that's not happening. And I think Taysen is a better player. So remind me of that in three years, put that on, you know, old takes exposed or whatever. But um, no, Bronny, Bron it, it hasn't made sense for Bronny from day one to come to Ohio State. There's not going to be the role that he wants where if, if he thinks he's going to be a one and done, okay, is he going to? You're gonna play 25 minutes a game on this Ohio State team next year and take how whatever percentage of the shots. Like that's just it's never been a realistic scenario. And it makes sense for Ohio State to at least go down that path and certainly like be involved in those conversations. It's good from a brand standpoint. And, you know, to on a very basic level, if the roster was structured differently, it would make some sense. But there's 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 
I don't see any realistic way where it makes sense for either side, frankly. I mean, just based on what Ohio State has signed and what Ohio State already has on campus, like if you're telling me you can add another, like I said, player who's not played a minute of college basketball, or you can add like someone who's been in the at the level for three, four years and can contribute in that backcourt and take some of the pressure off of Bruce and Taysen and Roddy, you're going with the experience. And yeah, that's, I will be happy when Bronny eventually signs with somebody and we can all just kind of move, move on with it. Cause he's a fine player, but let's that, that conversation is over. Yeah. It, I, I didn't think it was really all that legitimate as you look at the roster construction, that's where you should right. start just because Bronny right. puts Ohio state in your top three. It doesn't mean really mean anything. And, and some people are like, Oh, well he did it out of respect to his dad and to, to the state of Ohio. I don't think Bronny James gives two craps about what Ohio state basketball fans think about him, but you can say what you will regardless. There's no fit for him on the team. People continue. I, I see it on Twitter at least once a week. Hey, anything new on Bronny James? Do we really think we've got a shot to land him? And just just use your your context clues, put on your your forensic hat, and, and think about it uh, the way in a basketball program would. And, and Bronny James will not end up at Ohio State. The NIL money, I sure, yeah, maybe LeBron would love to invest his millions and millions of dollars in a university, uh, an institution of education that is just as exciting as it gets, but. Yeah, I think it's time for Buckeye Nation to close the book on that. As cool as it may be, we've already got a player who can who can be the combo guard in this class for Ohio State. Now, to stay on this topic of recruiting, as far as the 2024 class goes, Ohio State has one player committed. That's it. What is the feel for the Buckeyes? And do you think that going into this summer, things will kind of start to take shape for that next recruiting class for Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, I think um, th this is generally when you would really start to see, you know, some of these guys start making cut, you know, lists or cuts to lists and you'll start seeing more official visits and things like Amir Ali, who's a borderline five-star kid in 2024. Like I actually just heard from his dad this morning um, or rather Tuesday morning that he will be um, taking an official visit to Ohio State in May. Like, this is when you'll start seeing some of these guys start narrowing things down and starting to make some, some decisions. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what does his recruitment look like? I mean, like I said, he's a borderline five-star and he has s significant central Ohio ties. So like, that's a name like to keep an eye on. Um, it's harder these days to recruit multiple years in advance. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, being around for like the, Diebler, Aaron Kraft, William Buford, Jared Sullinger years. Like you think back to that time and it was like, you knew you had this number of guys and then three years down the road, you knew you had this number of guys and you could, you could predict what your roster would look like because you didn't have guys that were leaving early at the rate that they do now. And so like, honestly, right now I could not tell you how many scholarships Ohio state will have available for 2024. And even in this, heart of hearts i don't think chris holtman could tell you that either you have some ideas but who knows what what this looks like in two years so yeah you'll see more names you know you'll see more things pick up i'm sure you'll see a commitment or two uh between now and the and the end of the summer but 
anymore, this is it's not at all unusual to be sitting here wondering, like, what does this class look like in two years? Because, I mean, what does the roster look like in two years? Like, it's it's impossible to say at this point. Yeah, impossible is the only word to use for it. With transfers coming in and out, the ad- agility that players have at this point to to come and go as they please, as long as that's the case, it's going to be very hard to figure out what's going on and, and getting recruits and commits as early as you can doesn't really, maybe it makes sense, but it's not as big of a deal as it has been for sure in the past. So Adam, appreciate you being on the show today. Again, Adam Jardy is the best follow that you will find on Twitter in terms of covering Ohio State basketball at Adam Jardy. Follow him. Please do send him your love and thank him for being on the show. We appreciate you being here again today, Adam. Any last words or or parting gifts for the pod that that you'd like to give at this time? Um, boy, that's a that's a good one. Um, just be kind on Twitter. <laughs> I guess that would be. Uh, it was there were some uh, some rough times this year, and I certainly get the frustration, and I certainly get people like I mean, as we said at the top here, like this was a disappointing down year for Ohio State basketball, and that is certainly uh, like unavoidable or not. That's 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 not debatable. That is what this season was. But like, yeah, let's just let's all try to be a little bit more kind to each other when it comes to the dialogue and the discourse, because we can be upset, but you don't have to, uh, you know, attack people because they're telling you what they know or they're, you know, let's let's just be a little bit kinder to each other. That's that's my overwhelming takeaway from this season. Yeah, I I've actually mentioned that before. It's really not that deep. Buckeye Nation, I hate to say it but not not the most friendly fan base and i'm not saying we have to you know roast marshmallows together and sing kumbaya by the campfire but if we could at least not do the the equivalent to hip checking someone into a landfill that would be great too i i know that a lot of times that's how we feel about certain fans where they don't feel the same way we do but it's really not that deep so i will echo that sentiment adam very very fair point that you brought up and maybe we change some parts and some minds today in buckeye nation so appreciate that adam thanks again for being on the show i will shut up before you shut me off this has been the views from the shop podcast go bucks